Is your child doing too well in school? Well, ChatGPT might be doing his homework for him. Five weeks since the launch of this AI tool, and schools are already banning this free service. And across the sea, what are secular Israelis learning about Judaism? Not enough. The good news is, thanks to the new government, that is about to change. And Jewish pride, that is what all three of my guests have in common today. Connie Applebaum and that Jewish family are here, so get ready to be inspired by these Jewish powerhouses taking over social media and the world. One post at a time, one recipe at a time, one mitzvah at a time. Welcome to the Weekly Squeeze. I am Hanala, your talented and humble host, coming at you from the land of Israel, the ancestral home of the Jewish people, always has, always will be, no matter what the world says. But let's find out what ChatGPT has to say. ChatGPT is artificial intelligence that you can converse with. It's basically like a a chat box where the format makes it possible for the bot on the other side to follow up with questions, admit its mistakes, challenge incorrect premises, and reject inappropriate requests. So I'm going to try this for the first time. I'm going to head over to their question box here. I made an account, and I'm going to write, Does the land of Israel belong to the Jewish people? Okay, let's see. Enter. Okay, this is the answer I'm getting. The land of Israel has a complex and disputed history, and different people have different perspectives on its ownership. Many Jews believe that the land of Israel is the ancestral homeland of the Jewish people and has a special spiritual and cultural significance for them. Some argue that the Jews have a historical and moral right to the land based on their connection to it and the events of the past. Others believe that the land should be shared by all of the people who live there, regardless of religion or ethnicity. Well, it is. Ultimately, the question of who has the right to the land of Israel is a political and legal issue that is the subject of ongoing debate and negotiation. Okay, let me reply now. But the Palestinians use violence instead of diplomacy. Enter. Violence and terrorism are never justified and are harmful to all parties involved. It is important for all sides to work towards finding peaceful diplomatic solutions to conflicts. However, it is also important. However, (laughs) however, it is okay to use violence because clearly, oh, no words. It is important to recognize that the situation in the land of Israel is complex and has a long history and there are many factors that contribute to the ongoing tensions of violence. It is important for all parties to work towards a resolution that takes into account the right and needs for all individuals and communities involved. But it's all the Palestinians' fault. It is not accurate or fair to say that all the problems in the land of Israel are the fault of the Palestinians. There are many complex and long-standing issues at play in the region, And assigning blame to one group or side is not productive or helpful in finding a resolution. This is wild. All parties have a role to play in working towards peace and finding a way to coexist peacefully. Is is that Rudy Rockman there? Are you working for this website? It is important to approach the situation with an open mind and a willingness to listen and to understand the perspectives of all sides. This is insane. And I got a warning that this content may violate our content policy. If you believe this to be an error, please submit your feedback. Wow. This is insanity. Okay, what else should I write? Where could I get a decent falafel in Israel? Make sure falafel spelled right. There we go. 
There are many places in Israel where you can find delicious falafel. Falafel is a popular street food in Israel, and you can find it at many small falafel stands and food carts throughout the country. It is typically served in pizza bread with vegetables and various toppings such as tahini, hummus, and Israeli salad. Wow. Some popular places include Abu Hassan in Jaffa, Falafel Habustan in Tel Aviv, and Falafel Mitznon in Yerushalayim. This is wild. This is wild. Okay, so basically, you don't have to do homework with your kid anymore. They literally could go over to this website, chat.openai.com slash chat, and chat with a robot or Rudy Rockman, whoever's working here, (laughs) and get all the information they need for their exams, for their homework, for their curiosity, and the teacher will not know the difference because it's just, it's so conversational. And that is why there are actually schools in New York that are blocking this controversial writing tool because, as you see, it can generate paragraphs of text that sound like a person is talking. That is wild. The U.S. school district in New York City restricted the website on school devices and networks And the teachers are concerned because this is a very easy way to cheat. When I was a kid and we had to write an essay or a book report, we went to the library and we took out a whole bunch of books on the topic and we found the information that we needed and we rewrote it in our own words, in our handwriting. Or if we were fancy and had a word processor, we typed it out. But we didn't copy and paste. And the few of us that... We're foolish enough to copy straight out of the encyclopedia. Well, we were busted because our teachers would check if the language was too fancy. But today, everything is autocorrected on Google Docs. And there's there's no reason for a child to hand in anything with, with even a spelling mistake. Forget about a picture that they drew themselves. How lame. If you could Google an image and drop it right into your document, well, that's what you're going to do. This is actually really alarming. And I'm glad that the schools are, I, I don't know, honestly, what they really could do. Um, as it turns out, they made an announcement in the schools um, on the PA system. <laughs> that is what I'm reading here. On the PA system, they made announcements in New York schools telling people, do not use chat, GPT, or any other automated writing tool for school papers. This is cheating and will not be tolerated. If you are caught using chat, GPT, or any other automated writing tool for school papers, there will be serious consequences. Oh, boy. Sounds to me like the teachers have their work cut out for them. I mean, this is it's insane. A a, a student could literally have an essay written for them in less than 30 seconds. I think we need to go back to the old way of doing homework. It has to be done by hand and it has to be done in school, in person, in person. That's it. School hours should be longer. No work should be done at home. All the work should be done in the classroom with a teacher supervising with a pencil and lined paper. And that's it. That's it. There's no other way. There's no other way to do it. Unfortunately, this is where we're at. More school, longer hours, happier parents, happier teachers, smarter students. That's right. But I, I want to continue to use this. It is. Oh, and you could regenerate the response. So you could click on it again, and it'll give you the same answer in another format. Oh goodness gracious! That well, there's obviously something impersonal about it. Hopefully the teachers will be able to read between the lines, but uh, I find this very concerning and I will certainly not allow my children to use this instead of using their brains. I, on the other hand, will give it another shot. Let's see. Is the Rebbe of Lubavitch Mashiach. 
The Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, was the leader of the Chabad Lubavitch movement, a Hasidic Jewish group from 1950 until his death in 1994. Some members of the Chabad Lubavitch movement believe that the Rebbe was Mashiach, while others do not hold this belief. And on and on and on. This is insanity. Let's see what else I could put in here. Why do Israeli children have lice? It is not accurate to say that Israeli children are more likely to have lice than children in other countries. That's a lie. That's a lie. Caught you on a lie. It is likely because that is the fact. Nice try. So anyone who has an essay that says that Israeli children don't have more lice than other children, well, you can now determine that they cheated. <laughs> And they got their answer from a computer. Because if you're having a real-life experience here, you know that lice is on practically every second head in this country. Oh, phew. Finally, some good news. This is crazy. I just wrote, can you write me a song about flowers? Certainly. Here is a song I came up with about flowers. And it's a great song. Flowers in the garden, blooming bright and true, bringing joy and beauty to me and to you. Roses, lilies, daisies, so many yous. Nature's paintbrush displaying all its jewels. Oh, flowers, flowers, so sweet and pure, a reminder of the love that endures. Oh, flowers, flowers, so full of life, bringing joy and peace through day and night. Eh. Eh, I've written better. Flowers on the table, a special touch, adding cheer and grace to any such. Gathering our occasion, big or small, nature's gift to us, to give our all. Oh, flowers, flowers, so sweet and pure, a reminder of the love that endures. Oh, flowers, flowers, so full of life, bringing joy and peace through day and through night. <laughs> I quit. I absolutely quit. All right, one more question. We got to ask one more question here. Okay. Where in the world is Mayor K? Mayor K is an Israeli-American motivational speaker, comedian. Okay, but where is he? It is not clear where he is currently located. <laughs> It's possible he's in the United States or in Israel, or he may be traveling for work or personal reasons. I love that. I love that. That is spot on. Even artificial intelligence does not know where Mayor K is. One last one. One last one. Promise. Do from women have faces? I'm sorry, but I do not understand the question. <laughs> well, if that is not accurate, I don't know what is. Okay, let's move on. This week's episode of The Weekly Squeeze has been brought to you by Israel365, who is celebrating 10 years by planting 10,000 trees in the biblical heartland. Israel 365 began with a vision to connect Israel's lovers with God, the land of Israel, and the people of Israel. And now they are doing something absolutely phenomenal that you can be a part of. They want to plant a brand new forest here in Israel. And you could be a part of it for really no money at all, for $25. You can buy a tree here in the land of Israel. Have it planted in your name, an olive tree, a pomegranate tree, a date tree, a fig tree. And know that even while you are abroad, a tree in your name is flourishing and growing here in the land of Israel. You will receive a digital certificate as well as a print certificate. And thanks to your help, you will be able to reforest the biblical heartland of Judea and Samaria. So what are you waiting for? Buy it for a friend, buy it for a sibling, buy it for a child. A tree in Israel is a beautiful gift, a meaningful gift, and a 
mitzvah. Last year, Israel 365 donors planted 1,500 trees, but this year they are determined to get to 10,000. And I will physically be planting your trees with my own hands next week. So head over to my show notes, watch some of the videos where you can see Israelis planting the trees on your behalf and buy a tree today. Head over to my show notes, click on the link so they know I sent you. All right, from education in America to education in Israel, Israeli parents are waking up to the fact that their children aren't learning even the basics of Judaism in the country's public schools. There are three types of schools in this country. There are public secular schools, there are public religious schools, and then there are not public or rather private religious or secular schools that the government um, is not involved in. But those are few and far apart, with most of the schools here being government-funded. Now, here we're specifically talking about the secular state schools um, and, and an alarming reality where parents are realizing that their children are not learning anything. You got to hear this. A eight-year-old came home following her Chumash party, and she was given a gold-covered book to represent the Chumash. And why do I say represent? Because it was empty inside. Her mother opened it up and discovered that the pages were blank inside. And when she asked the teacher, the teacher said that instead of giving the kids a Torah, they're getting a travel journal where they can write their own Torah made up of their feelings, beliefs, and aspirations. This is next-level Jew-washing or, or Torah-washing. I mean, to tell children that the Torah is whatever they want it to be is literally the opposite of what we're supposed to be teaching them. We're supposed to teach them that the Torah is what is written, and we are here to learn, study it, and find the truth, not give them a blank book that they could fill out themselves. Absolutely ridiculous. So let's discuss the new government and Avi Maoz from the Noam Party, who is officially in charge of our education system now. And yes, there is controversy because that's what we do best. We do controversy just swimmingly well. So who is this Avi Maoz, and what is he going to do about the fact that the school system, I mean, they're completely pushing it. There, there was a case in one school here where the teachers actually created a code word, okay, to hide from parents the fact that students were meeting a controversial group that espoused a pro-Palestinian narrative. This is not even something to argue about. The facts on the ground are that Israeli secular School students are learning nothing about Judaism. They don't know the basics. They don't know how to put on tefillin. They don't know enough about their Jewish heritage. And the fact of the matter is that, yes, they should learn it according to Orthodox tradition because that's our religion. And when you teach things in school, you teach them as, as clear and precisely as possible. You don't teach a watered-down version or an alternate version or a secular or progressive version of the Torah. This is Israel. And children should be taught about Torah and Judaism first, not other religions in the name of progressivism. Maybe in high school they could explore other topics once they've established the connection to their own religion. I mean, parents are complaining, and I have first cousins. My husband's first cousins are in the secular school system. This is true. Parents are actually complaining that their children are learning one hour of Jewish studies a week. I mean, do we understand how shocking that is? How do we teach children to defend the country that they live in because it belongs to the Jewish people if they have no uh, connection <laughs> to Judaism, if they have no alliance to Judaism, if it has not been instilled in them from their youth? And the irony, the biggest irony of all, is that look what's going on with the Palestinians. They, on the other hand, are smart enough 
or stupid enough to teach their children from a very young age to hate Israel. And here we are in Israel teaching our children that Judaism doesn't matter, that the thing that our enemy hates us for doesn't even matter. It's not even relevant. The whole thing is such a modgepodge and such a disaster unfolding that I am actually very pleased that we now have a government in place that will do what they can to radically and swiftly implement a more comprehensive curriculum that will cover everything a Jewish child needs to know, especially one that's living here in the land of Israel. Every single Jewish child should know what Shabbos is. Every single Jewish child should know who Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov were. Every single Jewish child should know the basics of Jewish life. And that takes time. That's not done in an hour a week. And if Israelis don't feel that it's important, then move to Berlin. Move to Russia. Move to Tizanebi. Move wherever you want. But here in Israel, we learn Judaism. We're connected to the land of Israel through the Torah. This is our faith. This is our religion. This is our identity. And if we cannot teach it to our children, we are worthless. So I am very, very pleased with the Chaver Knesset that is now in charge of the education system. And I don't care what his opinions on the LGBT community are. Nobody's interfering with their parades. They're going to be parading. They're going to be, everything's going to be having a gila. Nobody's going to bother them. Just do your thing. Keep it away from our children as much as possible. And don't teach it in our schools. That is not too much to ask. To not allow that radical groups be able to speak with students in Israeli schools and teach them about things that, that we're not interested in them learning about all these Michigana things. And this is not extreme because let's, let's remember that in Iran, they're not even letting girls go to school. So if you want to pick a fight with a country in the Middle East about their education system, maybe you should start somewhere else. Now, as far as the parades go, yeah, it's a free country and people should be allowed to parade. But honestly, I don't get the whole parade thing. I really don't. Like, I don't parade There's no, like, I'm happily married with four kids parade. I I don't get the whole thing, and I don't think it should take place in Yerushalayim. I think it's a slap in the face to uh, orthodoxy, to the holiness of Jerusalem, and I I don't support any parade that glorifies behavior that's against the Torah. I don't, and I'm not saying people shouldn't do what they need to do and live how they want to live, and I don't support the LGBTQ community and the struggles that they have. I do but I don't understand how a parade helps anybody. I just think that it's a bullying tactic used to shove a secular agenda down the throats of a traditional right-leaning country. This is a Jewish country. The Jews are connected to the Torah. The Torah has laws against certain behaviors. We cannot have a parade, a not-kosher parade, and everybody should run around holding the heads of of pigs on, on, on sticks. I mean, we can't have a parade, the not keeping Shabbos parade, and and have musical bands playing through Jerusalem on Saturday afternoon. And if we don't change things up in the educational system here in the land of Israel, we're going to have a nation of children who believe just that, only making the divide, by the way, between the Arabs and the Jews ever wider. I mean, if you think for one second that the Palestinians support a progressive agenda, they don't. The only thing they support is when the progressive agenda supports them. And just to wrap this all up, I don't think that the ultra-Orthodox schools should not be learning secular subjects. Again, everything balanced, normal, middle of the road. Orthodox kids should know how to read, write, do arithmetic, basic science and social studies. Absolutely, without a doubt. Everything they need to know so that they can support their families one day if and when they decide to go work. Secular Israelis... I'm not forcing religion down their throats, but they should have the opportunity to practice Judaism the way it should be practiced by getting the information they need if they choose to live as Jews the proper way. And if they don't want to be from, well, at least they should know what they are not choosing. It is extremely important to instill national 
and Jewish pride into our children from a young age. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing that we should be embarrassed about. It's nothing different than any other country does. We are blessed to have a Torah. We are blessed to have an education system that can instill the right values, the right ethics, the right mindset into our children from a young age so that they grow up straight. So they grow up and do the right thing. And so it's not complicated for them. And they don't have to ask their parents, why did I not know the basics of the religion I was born into? And this all comes full circle because the only way to combat anti-Semitism, the only way to show the world that we are the chosen people is by being proud of who we are and what we have to offer. We have to offer the truth. We are going to teach our children the truth. We have the Torah at our disposal. We are going to dig deep and we are going to find the answers and we are going to live by it and we are going to present it to the world. We are going to be, yes, a light onto the nations because we have the honor and the duty and the responsibility of learning Torah, teaching it to our children, as it says in Shema, and thus showing the world the power that we have as one small, tiny, persecuted nation to make a difference, to inspire, to change, to uplift, to create, to build and maintain strong Jewish identities as proud Jews. Jewish pride is crucial to the existence and to our fight against anti-Semitism. And that brings me to my next segment. Danny and Razel are here from That Jewish Family on Instagram. I got to say, it, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, it took me a while to track them down. Okay, and it's not their fault. As I was speaking to them, I got, I understood more and more why it was so tricky to pin them down. But once I did, it was absolutely terrific. And I discovered to my excitement that Razel is my family. Well, you know, just listen and you'll see how it unfolds. It was very hectic. So I'm going to leave all that in. I'm going to leave the fact that somebody knocked on my door, that Razel had to take a telephone call. You're going to get the whole experience because without it, you won't fully understand who Danny and Razel are. But I think by the time you are done listening to this conversation, you will appreciate them. You will follow them on social media and you will have one more couple to admire for their proud Judaism. That Jewish family, Danny and Razel. Here we go. Danny and Razel, welcome to the Weekly Squeeze. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. Thank you for having us. Where are you now? I am assuming Australia. We are. We're in Melbourne now, actually. How long have you guys been in town? Uh, in Melbourne, we've been here since for a couple days. Yeah, nearly a week now. But I see you've hit the road. I called you yesterday. It sounded like you were in a zoo. <laughs> You're not wasting a second. <laughs> we were actually in a nature reserve. It was pretty cool. It was like the most southern point of mainland Australia. Right, the island. It was really cool. Australia is beautiful. I was in Melbourne. I was in Sydney. When I was living in Hawaii, I went for a wedding. And oh. nice. I, on, honestly, the Sydney beach was more beautiful than Hawaii. That's how impressed I was. And I've traveled a lot in my life. So Australia is definitely a place to visit. Hawaii's on our list. But now you're kind of Hawaii pushing is on it our down. List, but <laughs> Australia, when it comes to nature, is one of the world's most beautiful places. That's for sure. Yes. And not everyone gets a chance to be there. So I hope you're taking full advantage oh yeah <laughs> well we originally came for love's birth but we ended up staying for a while right so let me explain to people who are listening who maybe don't have social media or don't follow you yet what it is that you guys do who you are why you matter and how come you have so many followers as cute as you are it could be really hard in a world full of 
people vying for attention. And it seems that you are growing on your social media platforms, including YouTube, where you have all these great videos. You shared your, vi your, your wedding video. That got a ton of views. And people seem to really appreciate what you are doing. So on YouTube, you call yourselves a Hasidic nomadic family, giving the world a chance to come closer together. One of the things I have noticed is that you try to incorporate as many different kinds of religions and nationalities into your stories, into your videos, into your reels. I think yesterday you were with an Arab woman and you were yeah. both talking about your head coverings. I noticed she was, that. She was Muslim, yeah. Not, she was from Pakistan, so it's not Arab, technically. Okay, she was Muslim. All right, terrific. But you definitely are open-minded and you are in real time as you explore and meet people making a Kiddush Hashem. So this is more than just social media. So tell me right off the bat, who are your followers? So our followers are probably a very large mix, I would say. <laughs> we don't usually like calling them followers also. We like to make them feel like everyone has an individual connection. So we don't usually say, hey guys, welcome guys, welcome back guys. We say, hey, good morning. How are you? You know, so it's like, so that follower vibe that social media creates um, makes people feel like a number. So also, we don't usually use that term, but. Yeah, I feel like our know. channel is, is well, we try. It's very much not like that. We like to have like more of a community feel and really bringing people closer together in this world and using the word follow. Yeah. It's not a favorite way. It's very, it's very <laughs> personal. And I feel that too. It's very personal. I'm not a hey guys person either on social media. And every person that tunes in is unique and appreciated. And you are talking to that individual. So right away, when you follow you, you get that um, connection that you guys are tuned in to the individual. So it doesn't really matter who your followers are. Ultimately, it's about the message. Our followers are every, everyone, anyone that's interested to see how we live as religious Jews. But I think that they're mostly Jews. I think like a good 60%? Probably 60% Jewish. Um, definitely not like some religious, some not. It's a large, large mix. Our biggest following is from New York. Okay. Do you guys read your comments? Are you aware of what how people respond? Are you reading the comments under your reels and on YouTube? We try to, but this thank God, this just seems about a thousand <laughs> comments a day, nearly. Because we are thousand comments a day. Wow. Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. It's hard to keep up. Sometimes, but we really yeah. we do try. <laughs> we try right, to right because it, it does feel like a responsibility because people want to have that conversation with you and feel like you're present. A hundred percent. Also, we want to have a two-way relationship, a conversation as well. I think we need to grow our team. So, yeah, it's a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of growing your team, you actually have this uh, logo contest going. We might as well throw that out there. You're oh, looking yeah. for a Jewish family logo. Can I can I present that to my audience? Anyone who's interested? Tell, tell me more. So we're looking for someone that is starting off as a as a designer or we're not even starting off. Anyone that thinks that they can make our logo, just the words that Jewish family with some emojis, some symbols of Judaism within it. And travel. And travel, yeah. For sure. In a little suitcase. Fresh, yeah. Fresh, something you'd want to see in a on match. All right. So you guys have you guys have two babies in tow. And that yeah. does not make life easier, but it does make it more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. It's a blessing. This is but let me backtrack. Let me backtrack a second. Danny, you're from Sweden. Yeah. You look very Swedish. Do people tell you that? <laughs> the blonde hair, the blue eyes, do you see it? <laughs> scream Swedish. Scream Swedish. No, it's not at all. You're going to have a scent of blue. <laughs> you grew up there? Your, your father's a shliach there? 
born and bred. My parents are Shluchim, Shluchim to Sweden. And uh, that's what kind of inspired me to start start the channel. Um, it started off actually as like a Dvartara type of thing. In Swedish. In Swedish. Mm-hmm. It used to be called Espresso Parsha. So like I saw the, that. The OG of that Jewish family. <laughs> Whoever follows from like back then. And then it transformed once once I got married. It transformed into slowly, that slowly, family. slowly. It transformed. With time, Reza was a little hesitant in the beginning. I was, was very camera shy. <laughs> believe it or not, <laughs> you're a more traditional girl, Reza. I could see you have an adventurous spirit, but you, I'm assuming, were dating, figuring you'd get married, settle down. Maybe your husband would have a job or two, and life would be ordinary. And so far, things have been a little bit different. So, tell me a little bit about the conversation that took place when you both. Just- what's that? Razel's really wild as well, so I just set the record. <laughs> wild, kosher wild. Tell me, um, in yeah. a nutshell, the conversation that took place when you both realized that social media was going to be a part of your life and you were going to use it to grow spiritually and physically. I mean, you guys uh, are attempting to make money from it, and I hope that you do. So tell me a little bit about how that conversation went. When did that happen? I don't know. I think it kind of evolved with time. <laughs> like, I don't think we have people ask us, like, they had this conversation while you were dating or like, how did this start? Was this something you knew when you got married that you'd have no home and have this, like this whole social media presence? It kind of just evolved. We didn't even think about it. it. Like with slow steps, it just kind of happened. Well, it seems to me like you, you guys communicate fairly well. And, and one of the positive aspects of having a relationship where communication is clear is that you don't necessarily need to have these long drawn out conversations because you're constantly talking and you're connecting and touching base and you're walking together side by side it's these little dots that added up yeah for sure it's more of a journey like i don't think it was like we woke up one day and we're like boom we're in this together you know like it kind of just Mm -hmm. it slowly evolved i mean danny was always when we were dating danny was doing the espresso parsha videos in swedish and that was always something like he wanted to do and pursue and i was like cool like, go for it. <laughs> Guys, hold on one second. I have someone at my door. Don't move. No worries. Pretty beautiful. An artist, if I might say. Is that your paintings in the background? Do you paint? I don't paint. Uh, that's fan artwork <laughs> that people have sent me over the years. Sorry, one of my kids just came home from school, but it's all right. Life goes on. Um, so we were saying that you're at this place where you guys have this thing in common where you both are living your lives in a very transient way. You don't have necessarily a home besides, I'm assuming, your parents where you can crash for a night or two. But ultimately, your goal is to be able to be on the move. So tell me a little bit about your experiences over the last year. Give us a picture of what it's like to be Danny and Razel on the go. <laughs> <laughs> Very last minute, I can tell you that. <laughs> I see. I am well aware. <laughs> whoever follows, I, I think whoever follows on the stories gets the picture of what it's like because we're always last minutes. We're the fight is always closing on us. <laughs> um, we have a podcast that we're late to twice in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Forgiven, but okay, okay. Uh, you know, it's a, it, it, but you know what? It's very interesting because these are the things that make it work for you. Because if you were very uh, particular about, you know, watching the clock and being on time, you wouldn't be able to do this. We wouldn't do, we wouldn't do the majority of the things we do if we, if we were, if we worked in that way. But 
we're also maybe we're also like treading a water a little with the amount of content that we make and the amount of editing we have to do and the amount of i fundraise as well for our channel our channel is a non-profit and the amount of time i need to fundraise that's just creating content versus and creating content. content and that's a conflict and it's 24 7 and once the, the kids are out of work that's when we start working once the kids are sleeping so we have so we go to sleep usually at 2 3 a.m and then, and then Paul Danny gets up with the kids. And then I wake up I with Mendel at seven, up. eight. <laughs> so it's 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 a real, real grind. As Nas Daly said, um, his robotic lifestyle, back to his life of being, you know, he was now on vacation. So he, he wrote this cute line that he said that now I'm back to just being like a robot. Because that's what that's what a content creator in the end of the day is doing. Your grind is filming, editing, filming, editing, filming, editing, and just growing your channel with this tunnel vision and uh, that's what you got to do. You just got to place your whole life to it. You just got to really give yourself to it. And that's what we got to do. Yeah. I know all about it. I have two episodes a week, four guests a week. And even when I was, yeah, even when I was traveling Israel for a time, I was just hitting every single city in the country. That's amazing. I would come back. Yeah. And Baruch Hashem, I, I covered a lot of ground, but I would come back and have to spend an hour and a half, two hours uploading the stories, responding to people. And that, yeah, that's, that, that takes up a lot of time and people don't recognize that. They really think that social media life is a breeze. Well, it's definitely a lot of work. <laughs> I, I love it. We do love it. That's the thing. Like what you well, see of course, you have to love it. You have to love it. No, for sure. Like our travels are real, our adventure are fun, like the filming. But also that is all part of the work as well. Like our filming and the adventure. The people the don't understand is, that we don't. Is the content. Basically, so, we don't travel for travel. We're not traveling for, for vacation. We're, we're never on a vacation. So we're traveling because it's content, because it's, 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 it's what we want to do for, for, for our channel. And see, so yeah, sometimes... Our, and our channel is our personal life. So, for example, we're going to go to Sweden now um, because we want to visit my family because my family never saw our son live. So that's we're just being ourselves. And part of our channel is just documenting our lives as ourselves. So people don't recognize them. People are like, oh, my gosh, one second. You're just traveling. You're just on vacation <laughs> the whole time. So why should... Why should um, why should I give? Why do we subsidize that? Right. Why should we give a donation to this channel? Why you know that's, that's what many people could think. But it's so much more than that because we live a life that is full of meaning. I mean, even if you avoided it as as intent, even if you tried to avoid it, you'd ultimately still be exposing your lives as observant Jews. You know, you you could share your wedding video, but a Jewish wedding is like none other. You could share uh-huh. having a baby, but you're going to talk about the bris, and you're going to talk about all the things that are significant in Jewish life, and that's what makes your channel unique. There's a dime a dozen uh, cute couples, no offense to your beautiful Swedish husband, but there are many couples doing this. What makes your page so special and interesting to me is the meaning. And it, it's not always, it doesn't always come across like it's, your intention to infuse every single reel with meaning. It's just who you are and what you believe in. A hundred percent. Well, I mean, thank you. But that Thanks. is the goal on, under our channel is to bring across meaning and the beauty and the value system behind our Jewish lifestyle. Right. Even when you're in a pig pen talking about. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and and well, yes, those reels do exist. <laughs> Ever meet Danny, his phone will be on recording. But we don't film people with that. <laughs> but everywhere we go, even in the pig pen, <laughs> that there's literally like Everything. lessons in every single thing that we see and do. There's there's 
there's a meaning in it and there's a lesson in it, which is so beautiful. And I think also the more that, I mean, for me personally, at least, like the more we dig into this and the more like we try and find content in everything that we're doing to a Jewish life, the more I feel connected to, to, to like Yiddishkeit and Hasidus and the more like, the more it impacts me, like in my own life, because I'm like, wow. We've learned you know, a lot. like we've learned so much yeah. through. We've we're always keeping our eyes open for what we could like. What can we learn from this? What can we learn from that? And everything we research, it's like real. Something's like we have to do serious, serious <laughs> research, like like in the real books. You have a you have a an, an audience that is going to call you out if you say things or give them a misinformation. Well, we want to. We want to. We we the record of Torah. We can't. We can't. We can't put, put a blemish on it. We can't. You know. We can't say anything wrong. So we want it to be correct and we don't want to, you know, mislead anyone. And we don't want to water down Yiddishkeit in any way. We're not here to show that we're normal. We're not trying to prove, oh, look, we're Jews. We're just normal. We're not, we're not, we're not normal. We live a very different life. <laughs> here it is. If you, if, you, if you can tap into empathy and, and get to on a personal level. Sorry, one second. Then you're good. And that, that's it. It's, it's, people can go into that, that, that phase of like thinking like, let's show everyone that we're normal let's let's just prove this world that we're just normal just like everyone else non-apologetically jewish as we say <laughs> i love it i love well that jewish family that's who you are and that's your name um let me ask you tell me um some uh, give me an example of a video clip that you created that you did not expect to do so well and kind of surprised you by um, how well it was received or uh, how many views it got are you always surprised about the things that are more popular or just become more viral? What's your take on that after all these posts, after all these uh, YouTube videos? What do you think? Some of them you can tell they're going to be a viral. I think after you're in it for so long, you kind of know which videos are going to be more viral than others. <laughs> yeah, you did a nice video about the Shaitals that did very well also. Yeah, I got a, quite a few vlogs and reels. The vlog, I don't know if you saw the one where I went shopping for a Shaital on YouTube. I did. So that one, we also have a big following on Facebook. So between Facebook and YouTube, thank God, thank God it probably got like... Which one? The Shaitel Ball? Probably like a million. It's a million. Yeah, it's about a million views. A million. That is fantastic. And and have you have you received negative feedback? Have you felt anti-Semitism? Have people called you out? Is this stuff you just ignore? I mean, you must, um, at, at, from time to time, be on the receiving end of negativity. Everyone's, oh, for sure. <laughs> everyone's great to read the comments. And uh, I'm sure there is... We made one video. It has 8.4 million views. And while I was filming it, I was saying, guys, just wait one minute. I'm just in the middle of making a viral over here. <laughs> so that, that's that's answer to your question. So I see. Well, the more views it gets, the more successful you are. I mean, it's like a business like any other. And if you're putting your heart and soul into creating quality content, why shouldn't you be proud of what you've accomplished and created? And why shouldn't you hope that it does well? No, but, but sometimes they also go flat. Sometimes. sometimes they go flat. We expect something to do really well and then it goes flat. We're like, okay, all right, next one. <laughs> but regarding right, right. we definitely do get and we have a policy um, not to take any comments down ever even if it's like anti-Semitic or negative. But or we did by the Brist video because the only time we did was by the Brist video where there was very graphic images that were just not. They're Ill illegal. They're illegal. Just Facebook didn't see them yet. So like a real hate probably would have been removed. They were. No, it was like I illegal. It was like uh, just graphic. It was, was Brist. People anti-Brist. I so see. They, I see. So that's Brist. probably the only comments we ever deleted. And we leave it on on purpose because 
part of the conversation is showing that the sometimes the anti-Semitism or the hate that we get. And when we receive these comments, I mean, we don't get to go through them all, but we're able to respond. So there's people who have these negative images, they like or comments, or whatever, and they say it to the world. At least we have a platform now where we can respond to it. So anybody reading that negative comment is also able to read the flip side of it, you know, what what it really is like. Is your your maiden name's a Mochkin, right? My maiden name is Felig. My mother's a Mochkin. Oh, your mother's a Mochkin. You guys are so cousins. cousins along the line. <laughs> I figured we were family. I knew we were related. <laughs> oh. I'm telling you, it's just something I sensed. <laughs> Hello, cousin. All right. So what do you guys say to people who um, maybe criticize your lifestyle? I'm sure there are family members that think, why don't you just get a job like a normal person and stop living in La La Land? What do you say to those people? Or do you have those people in your lives? I think in the beginning we had much more and now they like see like, Oh, like, okay. Like I'm fine. And like they walk in the street with us and people are taking selfies. If it's a Jewish city, they're like stopping with us. Or even then, not like yesterday we're in the middle of Phillip Island and that random Muslim lady walked up to us. Like it's really, I think they get it. I think by now people will understand that there is this new concept. I think in the Jewish world, you know, we're just honest, you know, in the, in, in the Jewish world, it's a little behind when it comes to social media and because there's like this mixed feelings in, in a big, large part of the community regarding social media, there's a lot of mixed feelings. Should we let our kids have it? Should we not let our kids have it? And th that whole discussion, you know, in Lubavitch, we know that the Rebbe encouraged, you know, and spreading, spreading the way we live as Jews and being open to the whole world, how we live. Um, so that's definitely what, what, what we're doing. That's our goal. But, um, it's just, it's just, it takes time for some people. I think in the beginning, we had a lot of it. <laughs> a lot of yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there are people who are, I hate to say it, a little jealous that you threw caution to the wind and you took a risk and you, you know, you're doing something that's different and out of the box and fun. And that's something that a lot of young people don't uh, put into the calculation. They're, they're very focused on living in a normal you know, a normal life and following the plan and the schedule. And you guys are not like that. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And I do. And I love that you're using your creative energies as part of it. You're not just toots of that. You're also two creatives. <laughs> I think the biggest thing about it <laughs> is if anybody is trying to start something that is not necessarily like the typical road or way is obviously, um, we, it's funny because in a, I've heard a lot of people like over like um you can watch YouTube videos and they're like just remove yourself from the people who are giving you negative feedbacks and like I totally I don't agree with that's that in that Yiddish sense guy. because that's not you know like that's not Yiddish guy to yeah. just block out family or friends that don't agree with you that's totally not it but definitely to remove like the more like the negative comments or anything of people like questioning and doubting don't let it get to you kind of you know like be strong yep but the relationship could still be exactly the same and just as strong. You just have to separate like the, cause it's, it's normal people who love you and care for you and friends or even strangers. But they say, they say it's we have your coming, best intentions. Yeah. It's We're not coming, coming from a bad place. It's coming your from your best interest. Yeah. The best interest. This is crazy. This is different. How do you know it's going to succeed? How do you know you guys are going to put bread on the table? Like it's coming from a very good place. I think that's very important. Well, people to are know worried is, because yeah. still financially I'm saying what we're doing 
See, not but, yet survival. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying like but, we're content creators. Like people, people think that we're rolling in dough. You know, yeah, for sure. With 300k followers on the internet, I'm sure they're fine. You know, like, but in the end of the day, it's a grind. It's a real, real grind. And people close to us, they know it and they feel it. And they're like, just get a job. Just stop what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, that could happen. But I think at this point the level where like everyone kind of sees the impact which is beautiful like yeah. you could just you could just without, read the comments even without going to our private messages or face-to-face interactions you could just read the comments and see like the impact a- and you're now one of the biggest jewish podcasts in america so that's a, that's a win i'm gonna put your youtube channel in my show note link so people could follow you and get to know what you're all about but before they do and before i let you go tell me a little bit about what they're going to see and what they can what what they missed share some of the more you know interesting experiences or places you've been so that somebody listening could be like as soon as this podcast is over (laughs) i'm gonna go check out their channel so in 2022 we went to 11 countries as a family as a family with mendel and in the 11th country back in australia we had baby love but those 11 countries include iceland um, iceland norway uh, dubai where did we go? I'm like, I have to try to remember everything. Austria, <laughs> Hungary, um, Switzerland. Switzerland. Where else did we go? Israel? Oh. Have you been to Israel yet? We, we spent a year in there. Israel, our first year of marriage. Ah, okay. We, we traveled Israel. You, you said you travel Israel like a month. Uh, what, what do you do every city month? City to city. What did you do? I, I Well, now I'm focusing more on my podcast, but the first four years, almost five years since I made Aliyah, my goal was to visit every city in Israel. So I used to do what you do. I used to just get on a bus. But we did drop, you know, drop myself off somewhere with my phone and just I was open for adventure and I discovered the most amazing things. I would tell I would always tell people would say, How would you find it? How do you find it? I would say, They find me. It comes to me. That's amazing. So we did that. We lived in Israel for ten months. It was different because we had our base, we had a home, we had, we an, had, apartment. Home. We had an apartment. Now we have like we don't have a home. And every weekend um, we used to rent a car. From from whatever, whatever that, that was called, was Europa called. car. I think so. Hundred shekel, hundred <laughs> shekel. We used to go for one night away. Remember one night? No, I think oh, usually for a day trip. Did more. A okay, day so we did a weekend, and we used to go to the craziest places. We so found we, we went abandoned villages. Oh, so we miss it though. We haven't gone. I back. know it's. It's definitely amazing, and when you come back now, you'll see it through new eyes with your kids, and it'll be amazing too. A different experience with kids. I just, I just want to add. So, so you're asking what they'll see on our channel. So, from all these places we've, we've taken our 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 fam- online family to, it's not that we're just the travel channel and showing them, you know, this this tip and this travel tip or whatever it is, or just just the fun, you know, adventures we have. It's it's a you, you get a little peek to see how Jews, religious Jews, actually live in a real way. We're not trying to filter anything out. We're not trying to, you know, just 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 as it is. And it's part of our life. And, and in every country, how we met, how we live as from Jews in every single country, in every place, different people we meet, you know, Jewish communities are there, there or not there. And what we do when there's like, you know, in the middle of nowhere with nothing. The risks you take. There's a sense of adventure that keeps people interested. Will they find somewhere to sleep tonight? Will oh. they find something oh. to eat today? <laughs> you will see I love that. it. Like 12 a.m., we have nowhere to sleep. <laughs> well, people. where are you guys now? Well, now we're actually in Melbourne. My family... Um, it's my, it's Razel's uncle's it's house. It's my uncle's house. He's away. So we're here He's for a couple Israel. of days. 
Right. Well, if you come to town, you could stay here. I have a pull-out bed that could accommodate. <laughs> yeah, a half a family. Um, what's next? For, what, what's next for you guys? Where am I going to find you over the next few weeks? What's the plan? Unless it's a secret, but if it's not, just fill us in. We're waiting, we're waiting for Baby Love's birth certificate. That's why we're in Australia for so, so long. So we could get his passport. They've been really slow on it. <laughs> but bureaucracy. Gosh, darn bureaucracy <laughs> holding you guys up. <laughs> Seriously, I've been on the phone with them like every day, and it doesn't help. It's been the holidays. They're like, "Sorry, we're closed for the next week." I'm like, "No." Do you know who we are? Do you know what's at stake here? We are that Jewish family. We need to hit the road. <laughs> like, send it, please. <laughs> but please go. That's we got the passport. And then we're off to Sweden mm-hmm. um, for about three weeks or so. Um, we try to do about three weeks a month in every location just to give the kids a sense of, I know it sounds crazy, but a sense of stability. Absolutely. Um, will, will you show us Sweden? If we're following you, we'll, we'll get to see what Sweden's like. Yeah. Of course. Sweden is beautiful. Sweden, all the best Danny places. is extremely patriotic. So if we don't show Sweden, <laughs> something's a problem. <laughs> I'm looking forward. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. so I'm looking forward. That's about three weeks. And then we don't know if you have any good suggestions. Hit it up. Hit us up. <laughs> I'm sure that everyone listening will be very excited to join you on your uh, new adventures um, and and catch up on everything they've missed. And hopefully, hopefully use their, uh, I, I'm assuming tzedakah money is fine. They're supporting a Jewish lifestyle. So if they have a little bit of extra miser. Profit. A hundred percent. It's a nonprofit. It all is to bring all people in this world together. It's not just, it's not just, you know, showing how we live as Jews, but it's also connecting the dots between humanity that was lost. So many people have, have animosity towards Judaism, and this is the only way to show them, just to show we them. We actually get family. beautiful comments like that. We had a comment on, I think it was the first video. video. I had like a thousand, two hundred comments or something. Just, just the Instagram. real, just on Instagram. And real. one of the comments was like, I was an anti-Semite, like I do not like Jews, but after seeing this, I don't think I could hate Jews anymore, which is really... Aww. Beautiful. I have the chills. <laughs> it's really beautiful because it just really shows like there's just once people understand each other, even Jews, like there are so many Jews who aren't connected with Yiddishkeit and don't know what. And a lot of them hate religious Jews. About and they hate especially religion. in Israel. Especially in Israel. There's a lot of animosity towards the there's religious There's a big Jews. divide and a big misunderstanding. Like people just don't understand each other. And yeah, right. especially in Israel. Like you see it a lot in Israel. There's a big divide. But it's really just... The moment you see people as humans and understand why we're living and the way we're living, then it just, I think it's impossible to hate. Like, I really. I I agree. (laughs) Like, we follow Muslim families and we love them, you know, and there could be, we we don't know how they lived before. We just hear maybe, maybe what, 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 what we hear in the media or whatever. And everyone is just humans. It's so beautiful. You know, it's not like, it's not like, it's not like anyone is made of different fiber. We're all, we're all human beings. And, and it's something we can all connect on humanity. I absolutely agree. And I think it's a beautiful message to end on. Um, I wish you much success and safe travels. Com- continue being um, role models and making a Kiddush Hashem on the behalf Thank of Lubavitch you. and the Jewish people. Thank you. And I am going to officially stop DMing you because I don't <laughs> have patience to wait for you to reply and I'll let you get back <laughs> to more important people than me. But thank you so much for joining me on the Weekly Spheres. I really, I really do appreciate it. I really do appreciate it. And I'm sure that my audience will too. Really try to- we get about 150 <laughs> messages a day, so don't get offended. Really I'm not offended. I am grateful. I'm grateful. And now I'm family and I have your WhatsApp number. So I'm, I'm a bit of a VIP. Oh, you're a but I, but I'm a Munchkin. 
So Rezo's father, Rezo's... Is probably your cousin? Peretz Muchkin is Rezo's great-grandfather. So Peretz Muchkin is my great-grandfather. So we're third cousins, which means we both have tiger blood. So now everything makes complete sense. In cousins. No? Great-grandfather, great-grandfather? Peretz Muchkin is my great-grandfather. Baba Gutta to you? My great-aunt. That's my grandma. Not that. Are we second cousins? We're second cousins. That's even better. Let's take a selfie. Let, can, can I be part of your That Jewish Family? Can, can we do a story here? Re, this, you ready? <laughs> this is a story right here. All right. All right. So we're doing a podcast over here, and we we realize that Razel is uh, second, second cousins. cousins. Second cousins <laughs> with... The podcast, Hanala Felix, with the podcast host Hanala Music. What's your <laughs> long lost relatives? The weekly squeeze, and we're going to have you guys your segment on Monday, and people are going to love it. It was a great conversation. I was glad to pin you down and have family on my show. How's Thank that? you so much. <laughs> Even if we never knew. All right, it. guys, have, have a fun. Good. Stay safe. Regards to your parents. Thank you. Good night. Good sorry day. that we were late. What we're, what we're at in Israel. It's in good Israel. Evening. Good evening. Have good we- afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes. Good afternoon. Are, they yeah. yesterday? are you yesterday? Yeah, they, yeah. Okay. They just it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You guys just go do your thing. Bye. <laughs> Aren't they cute? I told you they were cute. All right. My next guest is a girl I have known most of my life. I have known her probably since I am 12, 13 years old when we went to camp together. She was a part of a group, classmates, New Yorkers. We were we had mutual friends. Um, I knew her family as a fellow Lubavitcher, and I watched from the beginning how she grew her business, grew her brand, grew her Instagram following, and I have been impressed every single step of the way. She has a blog, busyinbrooklyn.com, where she still writes all her tips and tricks. I mean, she has a great post called How to Save Money on Groceries, where she goes into detail about all the different ways that you can save money. So you can afford to buy those $8 boxes of cereal, which by the way, I also have a problem with. (laughs) I have a cereal addiction and I don't understand why there are not enough support groups for that issue. So Hani, if you would like to start a cereal addiction support group, I will become a member. Anyways, Hani's delightful. We got into a heart-to-heart. Did she cry a little? Maybe. Did we argue a little? Probably. But at the end of the day, we are, uh, at least I consider us friends. And it really was a pleasure to talk to her and catch up with this very talented and proud Jewish woman. Hani, welcome to the Weekly Squeeze. Thank you so much for having me. What a treat. You know, I was one of your first fans, and I know you don't believe me, but I've told you this before. But you're not big into cooking, though. That's why you should be so flattered, okay? So I know your coffee bun cake I've made a number of times, your rainbow salad. I was very, very excited, you know, back in 2000 and whenever you made up that. You, Those I are love, such oldies, oh my God. Yes, you're, you're the sila and tahina. That's like my favorite combination of, of flavors. Um, yeah. And then your Hasselback sausage that like is your almost like... Salami. The, the salami, the recipe yeah. that defined you in so many ways. So yes. there's so much to talk about. Um, you have a second book coming out. I want to talk about that. You're a you're still contributing to magazines and websites. I see your stuff in Mishbach and Ami all the time. Um, you do workshops. I came to your um, presentation in Israel. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, but I saw you do your thing, and you were like, "How could they, how could you live in Israel if there's no eel sauce?" I'm like, "What, my friend, is eel sauce for?" <laughs> Did I say that? There's for sure eel sauce in Israel. It's just uh, sweet sauce. 
Yeah, I know there there is, but Israelis are not. Why Israelis are super into like Asian food, Thai food. I don't know if they have the best sushi over there, but the sushi's good. I, I'm saying it's a yeah. new country because it's a new country. They they haven't imported as many flavors from around right. the world as quickly. So we have, you know, maybe soy sauce, but I don't know if we have oyster sauce or, you know, Westchester sauce. So I, I think that's what kind of threw me off. But anyway, yeah. let's focus on you and not Israel. Um, like I said, so you have, an, you have a new book coming out. You still contribute to magazines and websites. You don't do podcasts often. This is your first podcast in many years. Yes, I, I don't. It's true. I would I'm love honored. to start it, though. I am honored. You also have a paleo cookbook. Well, that like years ago. I can't say like I've really moved away from diet culture a lot uh, over the past couple of years. Um, I, I just learned to have a really good relationship with food. Um, and I just I I don't like it's not a thing for me. It's not a conversation. Even I just eat very intuitively. I don't like to. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like, uh, I don't like diet culture, so I don't really push it. It's something. It's on my blog. It's available after every holiday. I always get like an order in the email, like you know, it's after. <laughs> I'm like, oh, somebody ordered my ebook. It's still um, good. I, it's good. No, I, I actually, I think it's actually Whole Thirty. It's based on the Whole Thirty diet. It's a thirty day meal plan, and I think it's a great thing. It's a great, it's a great reset for the body. If you're kind of like your body's become addicted to sugar and you want to just start from scratch, I really believe in it. Um, it's just in general, I just found like I, I don't want to push the whole diet thing. I know for many years on my blog, I spoke a lot about dieting and like after every baby, I would lose the 40 pounds and I've really been on every single diet. So um, I don't know. I, I kind of found a place where I'm comfortable and I've kind of been the same weight for a couple of years now and I just... I don't know. I learned to feel comfortable in my own skin. Um, so I don't like to push that. But yeah, it's there for those that want it. <laughs> well, listen, I wanted to I wanted to get into this with you and we can circle back. Um, but you are such a pleasure to interview. You're already sharing all these wonderful things that I wanted to get to. So, you know, <laughs> so far, so good. But let's get into the nitty gritty. OK, let's get into the nitty gritty. There's no doubt. And I was speaking to my sister Rahla the other day and I was saying like she is a a, a traditional photographer who started mm -hmm. her career before social media and then social media comes around and it just becomes so multi-tiered your success, you know, and, and there's so much going on. It, you know, you have to find your voice in this all. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I wanted to touch on because you have a lot of followers and you always mm -hmm. have, they're a very loyal fan base. I'm sure you have a relationship with some followers more than others, which is normal. So let's talk a little bit about your experience being Hani on social media specifically. And then I want to move on to your real life. Sure. Um, look, I, I feel very, very blessed because I'm extremely creative person. I'm actually a photog professional photographer like your sister, but I specialize in photography. Um, and you know, I kind of was able to find a platform that allows me to use all my talents in one place. I've always been a writer. Um, you know, I've worked, uh, I, I used to work as a freelance writer. I used to write um, speeches for Shluchim and, and uh, all different types of things. Um, I write poetry and, you know, all, thing, all things like that. You're saying you're very geschickt. You're saying you're very geschickt. <laughs> <laughs> I have, you know, thank God, Hashem, 
blessed me. I mean, there's a reason that I was able to have success in what I do is because I think I'm good at it. I'm proud. I'm proud of my achievements. Um, but I also think that Hashem blessed me with that. Like I'm, I feel very, very lucky. I don't, you know, people go their whole life looking for something that fulfills them. And I really feel like I have this platform that, you know, I'm able to use all my talents in one, in one place. And um, I, I've always been creative. I've always been, the, you know, the person in the family that plans the parties. And I just never really knew, like, how to take all those things and put them in one place. I started a blog after I had uh, three kids. I didn't want to work outside of the house anymore. I was working uh, as, as a web designer. And it just like it was really in the early days of blogging there were no kosher blogs out there there was smitten kitchen and pioneer woman who are like the oldies for all those that follow yeah. food blogs. i remember following those those websites they were beautiful they yeah were really nice yeah but yours was also it was so well designed you had ex- uh, you know what i loved the steps were photographed step by step the boxes <laughs> yeah. were clear you could follow along you didn't get lost it was precise for now me, i it know worked. there from the beginning because that was, that was my <laughs> Uh, you know, back then, my small little boxes, and actually, my photography was awful in the beginning. I'm like so embarrassed, but like, I love that if you go back to all those old posts, you can see the growth, you know. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely feel extremely lucky. The, the coming into food was a total mistake. I was never interested in the kitchen growing up, never stepped foot in the kitchen before I got married. Um, but I realized that like food is an art form, and, and because I'm creative, I found. I, I really found my love in the kitchen because I realized like it's a way to express myself creatively. So that's how I got interested in the food aspect, um, which, you know, I just kind of like it brought out my creativity because every time a holiday came around, it was like, well, how do I put my own spin on a potato latke? How do I think outside of the box for a hummantash? So uh, I, uh, you know, I love doing something crazy and out of the box. And that's how I kind of found my niche, which is really putting a modern spin on traditional Jewish foods. And, you know, uh, kind of went from there. And I think that's how, you know, people have come to know me for, for my recipes. Well, what to me stood out was that beside your talent or besides your talent was your brand. And you were smart enough to know from the beginning how important brand recognition is. And you were the first one to be like, okay, I'm Hani. I'm proud of what I'm doing. I'm busy in Brooklyn. This is my brand. I'm going to make a cookbook. Or when the cookbook came out, it's, it was great. It's beautiful. And very successful. And that, I always say that, you know, when someone succeeds, everyone says, oh, they had mazel. Oh, they have mazel, they have mazel, you know. But what is what is luck? Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Oprah Winfrey taught me this. And oh, when you're prepared, luck. yeah, and when you're prepared and you know what you want and you work at it, the opportunity will arrive and you will be able to take that opportunity. I, look, I, I mean, you're giving me a little too much credit here because I won't say, like, I'm not – you know, people uh, want to interview me as being this entrepreneur. I'm not so business minded. I can't say that I saw a vision of a brand. It was more something that um, I was passionate about. Um, I was getting a lot of great feedback. It fed my, you know, my creativity. And uh, I'm a very, very hard worker. And I'm not like, I love working and I love uh, creating. So I always wanted to push myself to do more and do more and do more, especially when the feedback was coming in and people wanted more. I wanted to deliver. So that kind of like. Well, I think that was your brand. Your brand was that you are in tune with people and that you're grounded and you're available and you're working hard. And, you you know, you have that relationship with your followers and your, 
I don't know what they call them in the recipe world. Like the, you're the cooking people who love you. <laughs> what are they called? <laughs> I don't know. Foodies, maybe. The foodies. Uh, there we go. Yeah. The foodies. I mean, I think that, um, you know, we, anyone that ha that's very passionate person, like the passion feeds that, um, you know, and you have, it goes both ways. So because, you know, through social media and all these platforms where you have all this feedback, I remember back in the day, and I always say this story because before Instagram uh, and before all these ways of, of messaging, uh, you know, people on social media, there was just email. And when I had started my blog, I got this email, like somebody had to take out, there was also no camera phones. It was before iPhone. So somebody had to actually physically take out their digital camera, take a picture, put their, you know, put their, their, their card into their computer and email me a picture. So I had done this recipe for, um, it was a vegetarian chili, uh, baked in a mason jar. So the bottom, it was for the nine days. So the bottom is the vegetarian chili. It has a layer of cheddar cheese and then cornbread on top and you bake it in the oven. And then everyone gets their own mason jar to eat out of. You're allowed to put mason jars in the oven? Yes, you are. Actually, I have a recipe for a honey cake in a mason jar in my first cookbook. My husband, my <laughs> husband still wouldn't let me. He'd be like, my, my Bukharian husband would still be like, this. you don't put jars in the oven. That's it. Just stay away from the oven. I'll order catering. <laughs> I hear you. And I just say you have to be careful because with tempered glass, you have to make sure that there's no shock with temperature. So you just have to, I like warm the glasses first in this, you know, under warm water and then you pour the thing in. Right. And when it comes to the oven, you have to put it on a dish towel, not on a cold counter. So there are certain things you have to be wary of. It reminds me how much you know about the, the culinary world that I was amazed by your, your, your workshop. And I was like, she knows everything about knives and everything about salt. <laughs> I was like, wow. Well, yeah. I mean, I find it interesting. And, and I think, you know, if, if you want to do, uh, um, when I do something, I'm, I do it 100%. So, like, I'm, I'm very interested and I like to stay knowledgeable. Uh, but going back to my story, because this is a great story. So, somebody, you know, made it for their family, this chili pie in jars. And she sends me a picture of her whole family sitting around the table. Each person is holding their own jar. And this is the early days of my blog. And I was like, wow. Like, the power to bring families around the table like that is so incredible. Like I don't ever want to stop doing this. And really that's what made me so passionate about wanting to keep doing this because honestly, like on, on a superficial level, it's really fun to share recipes, but like on a very deep level, like what I do has so much meaning for me, especially within like hearing, uh, you know, holiday recipes, bringing people around the table for the holidays. It's, I think it's such a beautiful and important thing as a proud Jew. Um, you know, I always say like, for those that follow me for a long time, know a little bit about my story, but I lost my brother in a terrorist attack on the Brooklyn bridge in 1994. Um, and uh, he was killed by an Arab terrorist because he was a Jew. He was 16 years old, my older brother. And it really like, it's something that shaped me. And it's something that like, even now I'm choking up, but like every time I talk about it, it really is like, the foundation for everything that I do, because first of all, when I say like, I feel so lucky that I found, uh, you know, found my niche and found something that I'm passionate about. I always feel like it's a gift for my, for my brother. And, um, cause he was like my big brother. He was my cheerleader. Um, and I, I just feel like he set the path for me for this to, to happen. This is fascinating to me because I prepared a question and you're literally answering it. And I was imagining how is she going to answer? Can I just read the question? I wrote, sure. Your brother Ari's death looms large over your family. It always has. Yeah. Yeah. How has the loss of your brother 
in such a traumatic way defined yeah. your life, your relationships, and your career choices. And you're saying it it, perme- it permeated everything. It really did because, like, so, you know, because he died, because he was a Jew, for me to have a platform that I can share, you know, Jewish traditions with the world in, in such, in a way that's just so, like, it, it's it's just like, it's everybody breaks bread. I always say this, like, it's not in your face, you know, organized religion is not for everyone. And I totally get that. But to bring your family around the table and make, you know, matzo ball soup or brisket or, you know, or, or, or honey chal for Rosh Hashanah. And that's the way you're celebrating your Jewishness. That to me is a beautiful thing. And for me, that's carrying on my brother's legacy. He died for his Jewishness. So Really, like at the end of the day, I always say that the reason that I've been successful is that my entire drive of everything I do comes from that place at the end, like literally comes from that pure place, having the power to bring Jews together in such a way that is just so, so beautiful and special having families gather around the table, like also losing my brother in the way that he did. Like, I think that when people think of like a loss in a family, you think, oh, it's so sad, like your brother passed away, but they don't realize that like you really lose your whole family. Every The whole family dynamic changes. Everybody's, you know, dealing with loss in their way. In, in, in my personal, you know, family, my parents got divorced, like everything just changed. And we had like, you know, before that, like we had a, we live, I grew up on the block of 770, which is the Lubavitch World Headquarters. And like, Everybody came to our house. Like Simplest Torah, my mother made a spread like you've never seen. We had an yeah, open I know this door. to be true. I know this to be true. Yeah, our sukkah, I always like compared it to the base dust, like how they used to say, like the walls of the base dust would just hold, you know, more people than you it could. You guys visit. had the full Crown Heights experience. I mean, you guys were like Crown Heights. You were like Lubavitch VIP. <laughs> we had Israeli sleeping all on the floors <laughs> of our house. Like, you know, the busy, busiest times on the, when the Rebbe was alive and there were Farbrangians, like that was the place to go. Yeah. And our sofa was like always like beautiful singing. So, you know, when my brother passed away, it was kind of like the lights closed and like all those things that we had just, it wasn't, they weren't anymore. And like on a very deep level for me to be able to like bring families around the table, it, re- it recaptures those beautiful memories for me and has such deep meaning. So like I said, like that is the core of what I do. It really comes from that place. And it gives me so much purpose because I feel like I'm carrying on my brother's legacy. I, I uh, you know, my first book was dedicated in his memory. And, um, you know, on, on a day-to-day level, like food feels so playful and it's so fun. And you're just like a blogger doing your thing, but it really holds a lot more meaning for me. Which actually is good because it, it helps me with the next couple of questions that I have, knowing where your 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 heart is on in all of this. But yeah. ultimately, your head is also part of this. And there's components when you're dealing, like I said, with social media and your personal life, things that you have to deal with day in and day out. So I want to talk about the technicalities just for one second, because I know people are curious. You know, they know who you are emotionally, but... I'm sure people have questions about what has changed in your life. So my first question when I heard you got divorced was, didn't they work together? Like, I I think people assume that you guys did the business together. Your husband's in marketing. So what, what was it like to be married and then doing what you're doing professionally and then splitting up with your partner? 
Um, my husband was not my business partner and um, we did not work together. In fact, I, because I was saying before, I'm like such a perfectionist. I really wanted my brand to be just me. And, and I, that's my, it's one, it's one of the things that makes me successful. But at the same time, it's, uh, it's part of my downfall because I'm, I'm not a good delegator. I literally like people like email me and they're like, um, you know, we would like to bring Connie down and like, like, like they're speaking to my secretary, but I literally do everything it is the myself in my business. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny, but then, and, and because I'm one person, there's only so much I can do. And sometimes I have this guilt, like, oh, I could have built a bigger brand and I could have done more. And like, I mean, as it is, I've done so much and I, I'm proud of myself, but like, you know, sometimes I go to that place. I think creatives always do, or 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 people that are you know own their own businesses. It's like you know, sometimes you, sometimes you feel like a success, sometimes you feel like a failure. Um, at the end of the day, like I'm I'm still like I'm a mom of five. I, I I you know I've raised my kids, and like this really just started off as a hobby. Was it meant to be this big business? Um, thank God it's grown, and I and I love it. But like, there's only so much I can do to grow it, and then. You know, every time I'm like, I really should hire someone. But then I, you know, I, I get in my head. So I totally get that, by the way, because I also micromanage everything that I do and I don't delegate like I should. And, and part of that is because when you have a team involved, A, you have to let go of some control. And B, you know, sometimes things get difficult. Like it's my way. It's Hanala's way and only Hanala's way. And all of it is me. And that is a yeah. very comfortable place to be when you're being art artistic. Um I'm actually surprised to hear that your husband and you didn't work together. I, I guess, yeah. I don't know if other people assume that, but, you know, sometimes you you do. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next thing I, I think people are curious about is that, obviously things have changed. You're traveling a lot, which I want to hear about a little bit. Like, when mm -hmm. I see you traveling, I feel so happy for you. I'm like, you are in your element. The spices, the flavors, the people, the laughs, like, you love it. Yeah, yeah. Talk about it a little bit. Um... I don't know. I guess it happened by mistake. My sister says you're like manifesting. Like this is something I'm filled with wanderlust. I always kind of wanted to see the world. I, I don't like it kind of happened by mistake, I guess. You know, I, I wouldn't even say it started with my book tour because um, like on my book tour, I was like going to a place, coming right back, like really just doing a demo, not really traveling as much. My first international demo was to Antwerp. I think that's really what sparked it for me because, um, you know, it was Belgium and they're like all the beautiful architecture and the doors. I was like, oh my God, it just opened my eyes. I had 800 ladies came out to my demo over there. It was like, there were Yiddish speakers, like the lady that came up to introduce yes. me. So it was fascinating. Um, beautiful, amazing community, like such a big part of the travel, just meeting the most incredible people. So gracious. I literally did that for 10 years straight like traveled the Chabad houses and had that experience. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. And you just want to do it again because it's the perfect package of Ruchnias and Gashmias. <laughs> like you're there for it. Yeah, it really was. It was such a beautiful experience. So I, I would say that sparked it um, at first. I had never done like major international travel. Okay, I went to Israel. I went to some places growing up with family. But um, and then uh, after I got divorced, I kind of like I um I had like, I had off in the summer and I went to Italy. It was not this past summer, the summer before with my, with a friend. And it was just literally one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And everyone watching it felt it through the screen too. Like 
I can't tell you how many people went after. Uh, someone messaged me that she was in Venice at Chabad House, and she had like there were people from all over the world at her table on Shabbos, and they all said they came because they watched my stories, which was wow. fascinating. Wow! I, it was uh, so realizing. First of all, like uh, the power to be able to share the, the world. influence, the influence of the influencer. I call it, I call it actually the influence, busy <laughs> Uh, um but yeah like it's it's so it's so powerful social media and um so yeah i started traveling then also like you know i think the first yom tif that i was not with my kids it was really difficult i was like really rolled into a bowl just crying this is not it's not natural it's not natural to be away from your kids it was just it's it 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 was so painful brutal brutal I mean, there's just, I, I mean, there's no words to describe it. it. It's like, you know, and it's its everything I ever wanted my whole life is to, to have, you know, have a, my own beautiful yomtiv table. And like, it was just really, really painful for me. And I, I made the decision that I wasn't going to like feel sorry for myself. And, and I was going to take the opportunity whenever I'm not with them to travel somewhere cool and see the world. And literally, that's what I've done. Every time, I, you know, uh, my kids are with their dad, I go somewhere. I was in Berlin for Pesach. I was in Guatemala. I was in Budapest for Rosh Hashanah. I was in Guatemala for circus. And I mean, and I was with, you know, you know, people think like they're watching and, and they, they see you having a great time. I will say it's like traveling without a limb, like inside, you know, in Guatemala, I was with a lot of other single moms and we all had our moments of crying to each other like it's it's not it's it's not what you're choosing you know that's not you're making the most of a situation and um you know it's it, it, being able to travel and fill it with meaning and fill it with spirituality fill it with community especially if you're traveling with other single moms those are things that could really fill your cup at at a time that's it is extremely painful um and you know finding that it, it's like really helped me so, so much to grow, to heal. Um, I've had just like the most beautiful experiences. And, um, you know, like I said, it's not what I would choose, but I'm making the most of my life. And, I'm so um, impressed with you. I'm seriously, I'm sitting here shepping nachas. I'm so impressed with you. Not that I ever underestimated you. I was always <laughs> impressed with you. But at the end of the day, I know you since you're a little girl. I, I mean, we're in the same grade. Yeah. Um, and, and I think what's also beautiful here is that you have to appreciate what you have. You know, I don't want to get even sadder, but I think about Razel. I have her right here on my desk. Oh, mm, yeah. And I think she didn't get she's not living and, yeah. and she can't have this experience that we could have. Sure. I yelled at my kids to go to sleep tonight because they were driving me up the wall. But, you know, ultimately, we're so grateful for the opportunities that we have and for the experiences we can still experience despite the change in yeah, circumstance it's so, so true like i, I know I that's great like um one of my first trips after my divorce so all me and my friends growing up like all my high school friends we we cannot manage to get a night together to go out to dinner but somehow in some miraculous way for our 40th birthday we went to mexico together one and second one second the, yeah. the group yeah yeah like yeah. 12 groups yeah, wow. I know the I group. Know, never going to happen again. Like two of my what friends. What do you mean? Devari and Hani went? Devari, Hani and Bailey? Yeah, yeah. All of them. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So two of my friends literally just had babies and married off their daughters. So I'm like, that, that, 
it's never happening again, put it that way. But it happened. And like, it, it was it was very early on for me. And I was like, whatever I was going through, you know, it's a journey. It's like, it's really a rebirth. And like, I remember I, I have a terrible fear of the water. Um, I really? don't know how to. So I always have a fear of drowning, especially in the ocean. And everyone's going snorkeling. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I forced myself. And uh, I, I paid the guide extra money to like hold my hand because I literally, when I we got out of the boat and I was in the water, I literally had a panic attack. Like I couldn't, like I was like, I'm going to drown, even though I was wearing a life jacket. Anyway, the guy really helped me. Um, and I'm literally like snorkeling in the water. And I, I started to cry in my goggles. And my feeling was like, you know, you can cut like when you when you when you go through like you know these challenges. Like sometimes it's like, what's the point of living? And life is so hard. And then, and then you're in like, you're in this beautiful place, and you're looking around, and it's like this world is so beautiful. Like there's so much to live for. Obviously, my amazing children, of course, come for anything. But obviously, life is just it can be very challenging. And I just I remember that moment. Like I remember that moment. Like crying into my goggles, saying like look at this world that Hashem gave us, you know? And like, there's, there is, there's so much beauty and there is so much. Where there's life, there's hope. And that's really yeah. a lesson that everyone can take away from, from everything you know you're what? saying. There's even beauty in the pain. Like I was actually speaking to someone, uh, the Shabbos, and he was saying to me, like, even hardships that he went through, like he grew so much through them. There's so much beauty in that because there's growth, you know? Yeah. The process, so, Yeah, the process. That's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, let's get into some politics, we can call them, cookbook politics. So I'm sure oh, oh, you heard the oh. shturim about the From Women Have Faces and the Between Carpels cookbook and Flappers Girl and everything. What is, let me just recap so people listening can understand in case they missed it. So, okay, so Art Scroll is making a cookbook. You're a contributor to the cookbook, as are a bunch of other Art Scroll cooks and chefs who have yeah. books already with Art Scroll. Mm-hmm. And Art Scroll hires Between Carpools to make the cookbook. Mm-hmm. And Between Carpools gets caught in the middle of this storm of, of opinions why yeah. you guys were being represented as bulls and was that a from women have faces violation. And I always say yeah. it's from women, have fa- from women have faces. It's not from women in your faces. But uh-huh. I did say in this circumstance, in this circumstance, considering where we are um, as far as this issue goes, especially the awareness that has been raised, like feel the temperature in the room. So then it became a whole conversation. Well, why didn't the cooks, you know, say, hey, one second. Like what, this was a perfect opportunity for all the cooks and all the chefs to get together and be like, you know, we had enough. We want our faces in the cookbook as a circle. That's what we're asking for. And come to Art Scroll and be like, this is, this, this is what we all want. Take it or leave it. And it felt like a missed opportunity. So that's what I took away from it. Okay. What did I miss? That's none of that actually happened. <laughs> okay. So basically, you know, I think the whole thing was completely blown, completely out of context. So between carpools, I am like amazed by this group of women led by Leah Shapira, who is brilliant and an amazing friend and been so supportive to me in my career. She's the one that encouraged me to write my first cookbook, you know, introduced me to, to Vidal Zlatowicz and, and, and all that. And has been my biggest cheerleader always. I just spoke to her for an hour yesterday. I love her. And she's just a brilliant mind and has all these business and really comes from also a great place. And going back to that, I think that people that succeed in this world of social media and blogging and all that, 
are people that have good intentions. If your intention on social media is for you to be popular, you're not going to have success because that's not a pure place. Okay. That's my feeling. And I think that I spoke to her. I, I had her on my show. I spoke to her extensively. She's terrific. I'm not saying she's not. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I'm just, that was a side note. That was a side note. Shout out okay. to Lex. Okay. So okay. between carpools gets bombarded right. by everybody. Right. Okay. So here's what happened. So between carpools has a great artistic uh, uh, photographer, artistic director, graphic designer, all their stuff. If you follow them, they, what they did artistically in the book is that every single uh, author got a different color to represent them. So yeah, I was yeah. pink. And I understand. So, so, so it's not, so the page of bowls wasn't for our faces. It was to describe the color scheme in the book. They I put know, a I know, pink. but honey. So I'm saying the whole entire thing wasn't. Not wasn't true. Bold. Not true. Because if it was normal to begin with that women's faces should be in women's cookbooks, then you wouldn't have been bowls. I don't agree because it, it, the, 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 the page was really to explain a color scheme. Outside of this, I will tell you, Art Scroll has a policy not to put pictures of women. Yes, and we can discuss that in a second. But I just want to say that this whole entire campaign, is it was incorrect because that's not what the page was about. Anyone, if you look at it and you look at the book, you see it. It's, it was an artistic direction explaining the color scheme it wasn't meant to be in, in place of faces now we could discuss yes even so our school wouldn't print our faces yes and do i what so i had this conversation with art school when my first book came out and he said to me look me personally i have no problem with it oh everybody it's, says the same thing the community's not gonna buy it you're gonna have no, to sell he has a publishing company and at the end of the day, he needs to sell a book in every single Jewish neighborhood, and the people in New Square are not going to buy the book if a lady if faces the it. Books only, if the books stopped removing faces of women, I always say this, there'll be a dip in the beginning, maybe not, but the community that would support women's faces in the books would make up for that dip. And I even said that if the uh, publishing houses were willing to have that conversation, that we would even put up the money to pay for the difference if we were wrong. And they, they don't even want to hear about it. So it's not just business. It's also an issue with the Rabbanim. And it's also an issue that they got to a place where they can tell the women, sorry, from women don't have faces in New Square. So you are not going to be in the book. I have a very big problem with it. I'm not agreeing with it. I'm saying, first of all, the whole thing with the Archway book, I don't agree that that was the issue. Okay. But it wasn't even a conversation about any of us putting our picture. First of all, a lot of the women there are not interested in putting their photo in regardless. They are not interested. That I know. I Susie Fishbane made that very clear on Facebook. Okay. So what I, I, me, I'm like completely like, it doesn't matter to me. Yes. Put my picture. Don't put my picture. For because me, you're I Lubavitch. Cause you're Lubavitch. Lubavitch. You never felt like you were in the box. It doesn't make a difference. Like you need to be seen. You'll be seen. So not in this, this particular cookbook life goes on, but you okay. did move to another publishing house for your new cookbook. Is that related? Uh, yes. Art scroll was not willing to put my picture in the book. And, uh, I told them that I wanted my picture in the book. I, I actually like, you know, in my uh, on my dedication page, I have a little picture. You probably will remember it of me, my mother, and my sister lighting Shabbos candles. That was in the pamphlets uh, that used to go out. Famous picture, yeah. All over, famous picture. It was. Send, by the way, send it to me. I'll post it on Instagram when I talk about the podcast. Okay, so that was uh, in the you know printed in the New York Times. I actually recreated a picture lighting Shabbos candles with my daughters in my book which was something, a vision that I had that was really important to me and beautiful for me. And I really wanted, I had that vision. I wanted to do that. Um, and there's pictures of me in the book and there's pictures of my kids in the book. And 
you know, I, as someone that people have come to know over the years, I wanted to be able to create that, that sense of familiar, familiar, familiarity. (laughs) Anyway. um, So, uh, you know, yes. So I, I'm, I'm not saying like, I have a problem with the fact that they will not put women's faces in magazines. Yes. It's a huge issue. It's not my it's not a cause that I've taken on. It's it, do, do I care about it? Yes. I, I know Flappish Girl, it's, it's very much, you know, her thing. And that's a fight that she can fight. I, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know how we change it. Um, what you said actually makes a lot of sense. Yes. And I agree with it. I think there would be a dip in the beginning and then most people would just, it, it wouldn't be an issue. I don't know. I think that, you know, the, the reason for doing it, right. The reason, the, the reasoning is like, Whatever it is, it's not sneeze, but by not putting women in, you just you sexualize women, just regular pictures of women. And yeah, doing absolutely, that. absolutely. And everybody knows so, this. Everybody knows this. It's it's a it's a new conversation because you're you're preaching to the choir. However, I want to make it clear, I'm not laying this at your feet, and I ain't hold you responsible any more than I hold anyone responsible. As a matter of fact, I knew your position on this because I knew you were just like, whatever, it's not my I have a bigger fish to fry. <laughs> Like Archie's making a book. It's it's everyone's favorite recipes. Yes, go ahead, print my recipe gladly. Let's share more with the world. Let's get people in the kitchen. Let's give people recipes that they love. Why is there an agenda here? I don't know. Everything right, because, is right because it depends what you're fighting for. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm so not for this whole cancel culture. Let's make an issue out of everything. If you know, I will say like, listen. I always say. There's no guidebook that teaches someone how to be an influencer, especially not in the Jewish world, let's say. Okay. And I'm, I'm one of the oldies. Like I've been here for a long time. I've had, I made mistakes. Like, you know, I've spoken about, uh, different political issues that I wish I never spoke about. I spoke about having COVID where everyone sees me. Oh, you almost died from COVID. Everyone, you know, like to me, I wish I didn't do that. I want people to look at me and see me for my talent and see me for the food. And that is it. I, if you, if anyone, like, I don't know if, how, you know, how much you follow me, but like, I don't, I really veered away from that. Anytime there's a hot topic that everybody's discussing, unless it's a butterboard, which is a food trend that I think is so gross. <laughs> I'm not that, yeah. getting bored with it. Like, I'm not interested. I don't know. I don't need to be woke on every, uh, you know, political thing. People. So, so you're not starting I, a podcast because some of my followers messaged me that they messaged you about having a podcast just like mine. I was like, I don't know. I could help her. I, I think would you'd love be great. to a podcast that talks purely about food. And I have lots of ideas and I'm still interested in pursuing it. But I, I'm saying, like, I really I think that, you know, a lot of people are just really burnt out from social media. And I think that the way to find, because really it's a, it's, it's an amazing place. And I think that if you curate your content properly, that means you, there's a follow button. You, if some, and an unfollow button, I should say, if somebody gives you the wrong feeling, unfollow them. Don't message them and say what you just said is wrong. No, it's a free platform and it's free speech. If you don't like somebody, unfollow them. You know what? I learned a long time ago. I cannot make everybody happy. Uh, Somebody sent me a message and I felt terrible. Like maybe I said something about, you know, kids being a lot or complaining something about my kids. And like, you know, some people don't have kids. And my heart goes out to her. And I was in that space in my life. Also, my first baby was stillborn. I... I had a very rough and I had an ectopic pregnancy right after I lost my tube. I had all my kids with one tube. I know the feeling of infertility. I know the feeling of pregnancy loss very much. My heart goes out to her. But 
if I was to say like, if I'm following people that like, oh, you know, she has a, what looks like on the outside, a beautiful marriage, a wholesome family. And like, uh, it, I'm not going to message her and say like, I don't have a husband and you shouldn't post that. No, I can unfollow her if it doesn't make me feel good. That's how it works. So like you, you can't please everyone. You, I'm being my authentic self and that's the most I can do. If I'm making anyone feel uncomfortable in any way, then they shouldn't follow me. And, but also it's my, which, which is really how I change gears is to say like, really keep my platform food focused for the most part. I talk about other things because I also think that as an influencer, it's my responsibility. If something, if I'm passionate about, you know, Judaism, if I'm passionate about, um, you know, uh, supporting single moms, whatever it is. Yeah, you're entitled to use your page how you want. Yes, but like, I really try to stay away from like these hot political topics that go on because those aren't my passion. That's really just trying to like, in my opinion, just to rile people up and try to get more followers or, or, no, no. or it's like more like a marketing thing, you know? Yes and no, because I'm in the business of, I call it like manufactured drama and that's okay. kind of what social it, media is. But yeah. I am in the business of actually talking about real events. And when you have conversations with people, you know, th- things develop more. It's, it's, it's an exchange of ideas. So you get deeper into the issue. So that's what I love to do. But it's, that's but it's, what I'm passionate about. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like sometimes people will bring up hot topics purely for the, to just, you know, just drum up you know, like controversy. Let, let's talk about this controversy so I can get everybody into it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel that. And I, and it's interesting because you, you have been in social media for so long. Like you've really experienced the whole gamut of what a social media influencer and, and businesswoman experiences online, especially as a Jew, especially as someone like who's been through a lot with her followers. So your advice should be heated. So anyone listening that you know, can take away something from Hani's perspective. Uh, I, I think it's great. I think it's great that you have boundaries and that you know what they are. Um, but in a journey, like I said, I've learned over the, like I've made, I definitely made mistakes and, and, you know, there's nothing I can do. I'm learning on the job. But I remember not- thinking that. I remember once you were in the airport Arab Shabbos and you missed your flight or couldn't get on a flight and you took all of us on your drama and it was Arab Shabbos and we didn't know where you were and I was like, everyone was like checking their phones. It was very dramatic. So you did that, okay? And I was like, why? Why did you have to <laughs> that's take not, me along? That's not, but that's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm I know, I'm about, just teasing you. That was, yeah. And and also, like, people were like, why are you complaining? You're in, I was in Paris. It was that trip to Antwerp. On the way back, I actually invited my mom to come with me. So we went to Paris for three days after I think it was the it was the first time I had ever left my kids. I went on an international trip. Well, what happened? And, and ever left my kids for Shabbos. Okay, I was married at the time, so we got stuck in Paris for Shabbos, and I was like, Hysterical. I had very strong policy of I don't leave my family for Shabbos, and I was right. hysterical. And we were like, "Stop complaining! You're in Paris. What's your problem?" Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I, you know. I, I'm not expecting everyone to get it. You know. So let, let's let's just pull this all together by yeah. reminding people that you have an incredible new cookbook coming out. I'm sure you've seen it. I believe it's called. Um, I don't even want to say what it's called because I, I don't want to mess it up. Tell us about totally your cook- totally kosher. I was like, it's something kosher. Totally radically amazingly kosher. Totally <laughs> kosher. It's coming out in March. Penguin Publishing House. Yeah. 
Uh, Clarkson Potter. It's an imprint of Penguin Random House. Yes. Okay, Penguin Random House. Tell us what's in it and why people should pre-order it because it's going to be a cookbook that is going to be a staple in your kitchen like the first one is. Um, it's really everything that you've come to love about like about my food, about millennial kosher, which is, you know, fun with food, modern spins on, 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 you know, on Jewish foods. Um, something new in this cookbook, which I didn't do before is a chapter on tradition because I really found like always getting messages from people like, how do I make chowan? How do I make chicken soup? How do I make those traditional dishes? So I really, I put it in a tradition chapter. Um, actually in that chapter is a recipe, well, your chabat, so you will really appreciate it, for the Rebbitin Chaya Moshka's gefilte fish that my father used to make in the Rebbe's house because my father um, worked in the Unless the gefilte fish goes into the pot and boils for an hour and a half, I'm not futzing around, <laughs> but maybe well, for the Rebbitin. It, it's from scratch, gefilte fish uh, that my father used to make in the Rebbe's house for, uh, and then used to make for us for Pesach. So I put that's that recipe in. That's amazing. It, it was. It's just a, a cherished family recipe and had a lot of meaning for me. I know no one's going to make Homemade gift division from scratch. My but puppy I just, does and my mother does every umptive. So, you know. Um, yeah. So that, that that's a beautiful thing that I really wanted to share. And um, so, so like I said, chapter on tradition, um, meatless meals, which I'm passionate about. I think that, you know, in our, the from uh, religious culture, there's definitely way too much uh, meat that we eat. And so there's, uh, you know, a meatless meal chapter. Um, Lots of fun recipes. This book actually has quite a few gluten-free recipes, which are great if you have a gluten allergy. Um, uh, quite a few Pesach recipes because it's coming out like two weeks before Pesach. It's definitely not a Pesach book at all, but it does have some. Um, really great desserts. And I your like. photographs? Yes, I beautiful photos. Right. Shout out to uh, food stylist Kai Rappaport and Rachel Boardman, who did, who's our assistant, like, Oh my gosh. Like the photo, it would yeah. be a quote table book. Like it's not, wow. Like beautiful. That. You know, yeah. the, cook, the cookbook uh, uh, market is so awesome because you could buy the cookbook and then you could buy it for your daughter and then you could buy it as a gift and then you could buy it when something spills on it. Like you guys have, can I, no, nobody buys your album more than once is all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I hear. I, <laughs> I'm really happy for you. I really am happy for you. And, and the, the thing that makes me the most happy is that, you sound so, well, I don't want to say stable because you're, you're never unstable, but all things considered, you have a, a, a real clarity on where you are, who you are, why you are. And I think that's really something fantastic because I've seen many a women get online or start careers or go through a divorce or, or lose a brother or just nothing, you know, and, and completely lose direction and, and not be able to accomplish the things that you did with the determination that you did. So I think you're a wonderful role model, especially for our girls. And I, I bless you that you should con continue to succeed in everything that you do. Have not just from your kids, of course, and that you have bracha. And like I said, mazel, because you are prepared and the opportunities are going to keep coming. So lots of mazel. And I look forward. I look forward to not buying your book. Maybe I'll send it to my sister-in-law. <laughs> Forgive uh, me. Well, hopefully, I'll make it to Israel again for uh, another event. But thank you for all the, the beautiful brachas. Um, and and like I said, I really think you know for anyone out there who wants to start a page or has a page, I think you have to ask yourself, why am I here? And like, like if you want success, it, it, it's not about the numbers and it's not about the views, and it's really just about having good intentions um and coming from a good place so yeah that's definitely felt 
through the phone and through the screen and in real life because I've experienced all with you. Thank you so much, Hani. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So there you have it, episode 75 of The Weekly Squeeze. Do me a favor. Leave me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and head over to my show notes right now and buy a tree to plant in Israel. You will feel so good about it. It's affordable. It supports my show. Also, feel free to join the Weekly Squeeze WhatsApp chat to share your thoughts. And I will see you on Thursday.